0: Well, good morning to you and happy Father's Day. I am pleased to announce my seven-and-a-half-year-old daughter gave me a wonderful gift. It began last night and ended this morning. It's the first tooth cut through, so uh, thank you, Hope, for that wonderful gift. There was a little bit of crying involved previous to the uh, unwrapping of that present. Uh, You know, the other morning I was driving into the church office and you know, I typically don't see a lot of state troopers hovering around Williamsburg. Well, there were four or five state troopers pulling people over left and right at the, the bottom of Ironbound at Jamestown. So I'm starting to wonder as traffic is slowing down, if there's been a, an accident or maybe it's a drug bust or something like that. Anyway, there, there's a flare in the middle of the street and I was able to come on through. They waved me through and just a few seconds later, Kyle drove up as well and we got out and couldn't figure, figure out what in the world was going on. Well, a few minutes later, the ever-suspicious-looking Kathy Buell drove up. And yes, she had been pulled over. So we got the lowdown, and actually it wasn't a big deal. They were just doing a driver's license check. But the reason that I bring that up is it got me thinking. Not so much about Kathy and how suspicious she looks. But it got me thinking about traffic laws. What is your relationship with traffic laws? (laughs) Because we have some state troopers out there right now waiting to hear your answer. But think about it. What's your relationship with traffic lights, with stop signs, with speed limits? Do you see them as merely suggestions? Do you disregard them altogether? Do you keep them perfectly? Or at least you try really, really hard to do so. Well, what is your relationship with the Ten Commandments? Do you see them as merely suggestions? Do you totally disregard them? Do you keep them perfectly or at least try really hard to do so? Do you even know the Ten Commandments? Well, we are getting ready to encounter the the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 starting next week as we open up with the prologue. And then after that, Sunday after Sunday, taking one commandment at a time all the way through the end of August. So by the end of it, if you don't know the Ten Commandments now, you will know them by the end of August. And it's part of the story of the people of God. And we have been with the nation of Israel, with the Israelites. We've been with them through a lot on their journey out of Egypt. We have been with them in Egypt in their slavery, their rescue from Egypt, their crossing through the Red Sea, God's provision and care for them in the desert. And today we're in Exodus 19. We arrive at the base of Mount Sinai. The mountain where God gives his moral law, summarized in the Ten Commandments. And so we continue this morning in the book of Exodus with our sermon series entitled A Life of Freedom. Because as we've talked about week after week, Exodus is a book about God setting his people free. And a question that we are going to wrestle with this morning and I think that we'll be wrestling with week after week for the next couple of months, is this. Do the Ten Commandments have anything to do with a life of freedom? Do the Ten Commandments have anything to do with a life of freedom? Well, our text this morning is Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 to 8. It's found on page 60 of your Pew Bible, if you'd like to turn there. And before I read our text, let's take a moment to pray. Our gracious God, we do come before you this morning. Needing to hear from you. And needing not only to hear from you, but needing you to do a work in our lives, to do a work in our hearts. To help us believe the gospel and to follow you in it. And so we pray this morning that you would open this, your word, to us and us to your word, that we would be changed. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Exodus chapter 19, beginning with verse 1. On the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded. And the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. Verse 5, if you will obey, if you keep my covenant. And then verse 8, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. We will do everything the Lord says. Do you feel the weight of that? Maybe even a bit of dissonance there? Because you know these are the same Israelites who have been complaining and disobeying God left and right since they journeyed out of Egypt three months ago. For instance, you remember the story of God giving them the manna. I will provide this manna for you. I will provide enough for today. I want you to go out and collect enough for today. And don't worry about tomorrow. Trust me. I will provide again tomorrow. And many of them did not trust. They disobeyed. They went out and collected extra manna. He said, don't worry about the Sabbath. I want you to rest. And so I'm going to give you a double portion of manna the day before. Don't go out on the Sabbath. And what did they do? Many of them went out looking. They were disobeying God. And yet here, we will do everything the Lord says. And he's about to give them the Ten Commandments. Now, some of you may be thinking, man, I am glad that we don't live in those days. I am glad that we have Jesus who took care of the law, got rid of the law, so that I don't have to worry about the Ten Commandments. Well, let's see what Jesus has to say. Just a few instances. You may be familiar in the book of John with the story of the woman caught in adultery. Jesus' final words to her, woman, go and sin no more. A little bit later in the book of John, Jesus says, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. In other words, if you obey my teaching, then you are one of my disciples. If you don't obey me, then you're not. Or from the gospel of Matthew, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And then this striking verse in Matthew, you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Yeah, now do you feel the weight of it? Well, given that we're going to be in the Ten Commandments for the next several weeks, it is important that we take some time considering Jesus and the law. In particular, what is Jesus' relationship with the Ten Commandments? And thus, what is our relationship with the Ten Commandments? What is Jesus' relationship with the Ten Commandments? And what is our relationship with the Ten Commandments? Well, have you ever been given a gift, a gift that far exceeded your wildest imagination, a gift that was much bigger, much more wonderful than you ever thought it could be? Maybe someone gave you a winning lottery ticket. If you did, I will give you my phone number right after this service. We can talk about how to spend that. I was thinking of another gift this week. Does anyone here know who J.M. Barry is? J.M. Barry. Anyone know? Okay. A few hands. Well, uh, he was a playwright, the early part of the 20th century, and you'll probably know his most famous creation, Peter Pan. Well, in 1929, he gifted the copyright of Peter Pan to a children's hospital in London. And it seemed like a nice gift, a nice gesture, and for a few years did bring in a few thousand dollars each year. But let's just say no one could have imagined the millions and millions of dollars that continue to pour into that hospital today and continue to help save children's lives. Well, the Ten Commandments are a gift like that and Jesus helps us see the wonderful gift that they really are. And so what we we need to do this morning is we need to springboard from Exodus 19 at the base of Mount Sinai to Matthew 5 on another mountain where Jesus delivers his famous Sermon on the Mount. Because you see in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus expounds the Ten Commandments in such a way as to show that they are much bigger, go much deep deeper, much more wonderful than you could ever imagine. So please turn with me to Matthew five, verses seventeen to twenty. It's found on page eight hundred and ten of the pew Bible. So Matthew five, picking up in verse seventeen. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I know at this moment it may not seem like a gift, but it is. And so we have asked that Jesus would open our eyes to see the beauty of Of this law, of these commandments. So again, what is Jesus' relationship with the law? And what is our relationship with the law? First, what is Jesus' relationship with the law? Let's take a moment and look at verses 17 and 18. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Well, Jesus makes it clear that the law remains. He has not gotten rid of it. The law remains before God's people. Not only that, Jesus says that he has come to fulfill the law. Well, what does that mean? Because that's very important. What does it mean that Jesus came to fulfill the law? Well, it means a lot, but here are a few points to note. The law and the prophets, the entire Old Testament, points to Jesus And Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament promise, the Old Testament prophecy and the promise that God would come and rescue his people. Also, as you know, Jesus lived a perfect life of obedience and thus perfectly fulfilled the Ten Commandments, the law of God. Now, another way to look at it is in this fulfillment, Jesus also fills out The law expounding it in the Sermon on the Mount, as I mentioned already. And not only does he fill it out, but Jesus himself is a fuller expression of the law. Which he would later summarize as this. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love neighbor. And so as we get to know Jesus, we begin to see that he is a beautiful expression of. Of what a love God, love neighbor person looks like. He perfectly reveals the character of God. Who God is. And as you know, he later says, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Well, another thing, Jesus loves the law. He loves the word of God. The will of his Father. He says at one point, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. In other words, life for me is loving God and loving others. The very essence of the Ten Commandments. Now I want you to imagine with me for a moment. And I know a lot of us are not very creative thinkers. But I want to push this for a moment. I want you to imagine a life marked... By freely loving God and freely loving others. What if we all live like that? Okay, I want you to think outside the box. And I'm not just talking about here. What if we all live like that? Not just grace covenant. But what if everyone in the world lived freely as love God, love neighbor people? I mean, I would love to have the freedom to live like that and to know that your response to me was the same. No more alienation from God. Bondage to self. No more conflict with others. Disharmony with creation. Okay, imagine for a moment. What would it be like to be love God type people? Single hearted devotion to God. No doubts about who he is about his goodness, about his compassion, about his love. No bondage to idols, such as money, power, status, possessions, those things that often get a hold of us and drive us. Just wholehearted trust in the one who provides again and again and again. Can you imagine what our work would be like? We would enjoy our work, and when we rest... Our rest would be fulfilling and peaceful. Imagine for a moment what it would be like to be freely a love neighbor person. Everyone in the world, healthy relationships with one another, with parents, children, siblings, friends. No more conflict, no more fights, no more wars between nations. We would not be up here on Sunday praying for our sons and daughters who were fighting overseas because we wouldn't have to. There would be trust with each other. Not a building of trust, but a pure trust. And trust between nations as well. We would be people of encouragement rather than people of resentment. Imagine the beauty of that for a moment. Imagine the Ten Commandments as a way of life. As a life of freedom. What if we were all love God, love neighbor people just like Jesus? Well, the good news is that is where we are headed in the fullness of redemption. But what about now? For now, we learn to live that out. We learn to see what it might be like, to catch glimpses of the enormity of the gospel. Now, I realize that most of us don't typically think of the Ten Commandments in this way a gift, a life of freedom. I think we often think of the Ten Commandments a little bit more like Wally Cleaver. Now, I loved watching Leave it to Beaver when I was a kid. Of course, they were reruns. It is a black and white show. I'm sure some of you saw them in prime time. But one of the things that stands out to me is I would love it when Wally would go out with his friends Eddie and Lumpy. You guys remember that? So he would go out, he'd be heading out the door, and you would hear June Cleaver from the kitchen Boys, when you go out, don't do this and don't do this and don't do that. And also, make sure you do this and this and this. Wally's response was always, okay, mom, we'll have fun later. Well, friends, the Ten Commandments actually show us what that good life really is like. It's, they're not about bondage. They are about freedom. Okay, now that, there's a lot more that could be said about Jesus and the law. But we need to move on. And we need to take a moment to consider us and the law. What is our relationship with the law? So let's take a moment and look at verses 19 and 20. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom. Whoever does them and teaches others to do the same will be called great in the kingdom. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, Jesus is clear that there is to be no relaxing, no compromising of the law. In fact, he is emphatic that we are... Not only to keep the law ourselves, but to teach others to do the same. And then that startling statement of verse 20. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What is going on here? Maybe you're having the same reaction That the first hearers of this had. What is this Jesus all about? This does not sound like the good news that I've been hearing. Entry into the kingdom based on a righteousness surpassing the scribes and Pharisees. Do you know about the scribes and Pharisees? If anyone lived a clean moral life, it was these guys. One commentator says this. They were famous for their righteousness. Was not obedience to God's law. The master passion of their lives. And if you know about these religious leaders, you might know this. They figured out that the Old Testament contains 248 commands and 365 prohibitions. So 248 do's and 365 don'ts. Have fun, Wally Cleaver. These guys set out to keep them all. How could anyone's righteousness exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees? Is Jesus speaking here about a salvation by works? Earning a righteousness before God? Well, when I was a young boy... Ages probably two to five. I mean, the the terrible twos kicked in at age two, and they lasted, if you ask my parents, uh, easily on into my fifth and sixth birthday. then they subsided for a little while and kicked in again when I became a teenager. But age two to five, I was getting in trouble all the time. I mean, all the time. And I quickly learned a couple of words, a phrase, that really helped get me out of trouble. Or at least soften the consequences a little you probably know this phrase i'm sorry Uh, i'm sorry and i you know i think i may have said i'm sorry than any child who has ever crawled or walked to the face of this earth but there's one major problem i wasn't really sorry i would say i'm sorry and i would try to straighten up and get my act together But I really wasn't sorry. So you see on the one hand there was this outer obedience. This outer righteousness and outer conformity. But on the other hand there was nothing inside. It was empty. No inner obedience. No inner righteousness. No heart change. Well here in verse 20 Jesus is speaking About a heart change. An inner righteousness. It's a new heart righteousness. That exceeds that. Of the scribes and Pharisees. It's an inner heart righteousness. Transforming mind and motive. Bearing love God. And love neighbor fruit. This inner righteousness. Bears the fruit. Of outer righteousness. But it is bearing real fruit. Not plastic fruit. To be put on display in bowls. And another wonderful thing. About this inner righteousness. This heart change. It is a given righteousness. Not an earned righteousness. But a given righteousness. And God gives this righteousness. Through faith. In Jesus and by the gift of His Spirit. Long ago, this righteousness was foretold by the prophets. Through the prophet Jeremiah, God would promise, I will put my law in them and write it on their hearts. Through the prophet Ezekiel, God declared, I will give you a new heart. I will put my spirit in you and cause you to follow my decrees and keep my laws. And the Apostle Paul puts it this way in the third chapter of Romans. He says, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been made known apart from the law although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. The righteousness of God earned by Jesus, given to us. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. It is by God's grace The gift of his spirit through faith in his son that we receive Christ's righteousness. And are enabled to live the life we were created for. As love God, love neighbor people, a life of freedom. Now we are called to nothing less than to be love God, love neighbor people. Again, Jesus did not abolish the law. Again, Jesus summarized the law as love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And as you'll see, the first four commandments dealing with our love of God, our relationship with God. And then five through ten, our relationship with one another. So we have a high calling to be love God, love neighbor people. And as, as I've already pointed out, the problem is we can't make it happen But the provision is God can and he will and he does as we step out in faith, as we trust him. Now, As we encounter the Ten Commandments over the next several weeks. I guarantee you they're going to do at least three things in our lives. They will expose our inability to be love God, love neighbor kind of people. They will do that. But they will also point us to Jesus, who is our provision, who accomplished the law for us and is now working it into us. And that's the third thing these commandments will do is they will guide us as we learn to live this life of freedom. You see, God uses the Ten Commandments in the process of renewing our whole person. In the image of His Son. As we become more and more dead to sin. And more and more alive to righteousness. More and more alive to right relating. More and more alive to right living. There is real hope for us. Yes, we look ahead to the day we experience the fullness of this. Come, Lord Jesus, come, we pray. But there is real hope for us here and now. Growth in grace in the midst of our sins and our struggles. You see, there is real hope for your doubts about who God is and whether or not He is really good and loving. There is real hope for your lack of trust in Him to provide For your every need. There is real hope for the perfectionism that enslaves you day to day. There is real hope for your broken relationships. With parents, children, siblings, friends. There is real hope for your violent anger. That is killing you and those close to you. There is real hope for the racism that discolors everyone you see. There is real hope for your pornography addiction. For your marriage that is falling apart. For your destructive patterns of manipulation and control. For your grasping for something to soothe, to satisfy, to save There is real hope for us as we learn to walk this life of freedom. A life marked by trusting obedience. A a life that that Paul would refer to as the obedience of faith. Now, if you are here this morning, you're a Christian, you have put your your trust in Jesus Christ. You know that this hope is Jesus. Jesus. And I hope that this morning God, through His Word, would use it in such a way as to convince us more and more of that truth. And maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. You have not put your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and to guide your life. And I encourage you, I exhort you, put your faith in Him. Journey with us, come back, journey with us over the next weeks as we see the gospel in the Ten Commandments. Again, our hope is Jesus. He has accomplished the law for us. And so now, by His Spirit, we can live lives characterized more and more by being love God, love neighbor people. We really can experience that reconciliation with God, reconciliation with one another. Now, yes, you are going to stumble and fall along the way. No doubt about it. We all do every day. But you can get up rejoicing that God has looked on Christ and pardoned you. Do the Ten Commandments have anything to do with? With a life of freedom. Yes. Yes they have everything to do. With the life of freedom. Because true freedom. Is living the life. You were created to live. Growing into the reality. That you are becoming in Christ. A love God. Love neighbor people. And the ten commandments guide us. In discovering that life. Thanks be to our loving God. Amen.